0: Like, we are just here like, talking mm-hmm. about, like, the elections and stuff in um, general and everything. General. It, it is important now. So right. do you want to introduce? Do you want me to introduce? I mean know. Oh, it's not <laughs> amplifying. If Morgan just talking, <laughs> they'll have the mic <laughs> on the whole crowd. And then I want her to do something, like, you know, audio quick. So it's fine if I'm not just Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it'll pick up everybody.
1: But to make sure we get you that right directly. Um, yeah, first of all, Great. appreciate all of you guys coming out. Um, you know, I'm really grateful that you are letting us do this. Uh, I just think that it's important to like keep the conversations and stuff going. And uh, you know, actually, as I was inviting people to come out here, more and more I was hearing from people. It was like, oh, I'm already voting for her, or oh, I'm already following her. I'm a huge fan, and, and it was much different from the last one that we had. Was it in December? Or was
2: it January? Was it? December?
1: The last one. Yes. Yes. Where there wasn't a lot of well, I'm not gonna say a lot of awareness, but it wasn't as much awareness no, as it is now. Yeah. And um, you know, I just wanted to, you know, after the debate from last week, you know, like, <laughs> like yeah, okay. talk about <laughs> some of the things that we talked about at the debate. Yeah. And then if anybody had questions or, or whatever, then let I me mean, just yeah,
0: so that's all I have. I okay. That and maybe just intro when it's especially with a group of this size, I think it's nice to do intros so folks get to know each other. Unless everyone already knows each other and I'm the only one who does it? <laughs> no. You can uh, now yeah, start and we
3: can go. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that way. So, my name is Claycie. Um I'm a campaign staff.
0: I've been in campaign since October. No, late September.
4: Yeah. I don't know what
0: time. <laughs> we're all losing track of the things. It's like. Ah. Yeah, um, I met Morgan like in 2010 or 2007. But we
3: were in DC. I would fly back to Columbus. And at that point in time, I was doing grassroots organizing in Columbus, and I was there for like, a training or something. And Morgan was working at uh, I don't even know. I don't even know if I was working at it before. I don't remember that. I might have just been at this But we were just talking about a lot of the... We'll be Our vision for Columbus, and, just, you know, we had a lot in common as far as wanting to see change, like recognizing that the way the system was happening, even back in 2010, that there needed to be change. at that time, at least Oakley wasn't uh, talking about Congress, because she was even considering it at the time, but she was definitely at that time um, progressive, so she was very consistent. And so then we ran into each other in August, September, at the Cobb Festival, Cobb City Festival, and she told me she was running for Congress, and I came in like,
5: Ben Fox. I uh, just moved to Columbus in April from uh, Lincoln County, so I'm born and bred in Ohio but uh, new to Columbus. And for the most part, uh, I've always been very active in politics. Uh, 2010, I graduated uh, from high school and my uh, history teacher had just sparked uh, passion in me. Um, I was uh, a volunteer for in, in uh, Columbus for Andrew Yang's campaign and um, fortunately I have to kind of channel my uh, passions now locally. Um, so that's why I've known Malcolm a few, you know, a few months, at least we've been talking online and that's how I came across, uh, you and, and right away I did like the progressive, uh, stance that I knew that existed in you and I'm just learning more and more. I, I follow you on Twitter, but uh, the algorithm's always messed up. So I almost got to look you up to actually see your post. I know it's like how <laughs> like you got to do with people, but, um, I, I think that, that where we're at as a nation is... Things like these are most needed because we have to actually take back our nation from the from the ground i, I don't think I, like, I would love for it to be elect someone that 's a great leader that can impassion the rest of the millions of Americans to care more, but I think we actually have to convince our friends and family to care more, and that 's to me the trick so um, that 's really why I'm here, i 'm here I, I, I believe that you know, someone like you, we need to take back power to ourselves. The people have lost it, and it doesn't matter if you're on the left or you're, you're on the right. They are simply the establishment, and then there's few and far between people that are involved in politics who are actually for the people. I'm someone who's an independent, but I'm strictly someone who understands that people have to restore power to themselves. And so politicians like yourself, that's who I'm supporting. I'm David
6: Fox, I'm his younger brother. Uh, I, uh, you probably can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I haven't uh, really been politically active uh, at all in my life until uh, I got into college. Like Pretty much before college I was like, you know, just like everybody else in America, it seems like it's like I'm not really informed. But once I got into college, I, I don't really know like what sparked my interest origi- like, initially, but i just kind of like took it and ran with that and then started to really understand like politics as a whole i know there's a lot to know about it and to understand the nuances and whatnot um, but you know being his brother as somebody that is as politically engaged as he is i just get all this like trickle down stuff so you know that's why I'm yeah, I don't know right. much about you but okay. I'm excited. Like so I, I, I agree with I what I did I convinced no, no, him. We both mo- did it yeah, him. I convinced
5: him yeah, he, he moved here like a couple months before say? us and then yeah. um and yeah. then me and my mom joined. And uh so <laughs> Um, I sent three posts of yours, just like in the last three days. It was it, I didn't even have to search for. I was just like, "Here's who she is." You don't. Oh, you don't know her? Okay, here three things. I was like, and he's like, "Okay, I like." Yeah. Her. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't remember what the last one was,
6: but I was one like, like, it was. It yeah. was like yeah, it was like one. It was like something you said. I was like, that's exactly that, that. That resonates with me. So, but yeah, but real fast just to finish that up, like like you said, like we I do feel like we have lost this power of like local politicians. Are kind of like in their own machine. And hey it doesn't guys, I'm from New York. I worked for David the first black mayor. I worked for Giuliani. I I did hip hop vote ninety percent of hip for healthcare and that Obama
7: is covering Bloomberg. Let something. That boy is up sixty one billion dollars. Do you want to vote for somebody? Do Bloomberg. We did this stuff in New York together. You only can do two terms as mayor, but the, he did three terms.
3: You guys, man, I want you to vote for your word. Okay, thank you. Just saying. I am not to vote $50 million. I'm <laughs> uh, just saying.
4: That's just
0: another day at the Morgan Harbor for Congress campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Off the street commentary. <laughs> did you donate? Black, did you donate? <laughs> Wow! Oh my (laughs) (laughs) God! You just. You (laughs) (laughs)
7: Sorry about that. Oh, you're good. No, that's good.
6: Just more that like I feel like you know like the power of the people does not exist the way that it was initially intended to. Like we've just kind of moved away from like. I feel like nowadays, like when we see things that we don't like, it's like, well, what are we gonna do about it? We can't talk to our local politician because, you know, like things we don't have that power anymore. Yeah. So it's, I'm, I'm with them. I'm trying to restore that power because yeah. we need our government to work for us.
4: Mm-hmm. So I'm Jennifer, mom of these two, and uh, my daughter's in college, and I, all the I'm, you know, older, and I thought just voting being you know somewhat active enough and obviously it's not and now i've been like wait a minute i gotta do more so um i was in the 12th district for the last 25 years and i'm really happy to be in the third now so um
1: yeah so i'm glad to be here Thanks for coming. all right i kind of already talked um but yeah i'm supportive of morgan just because now, I think that we need an aggressive, progressive in Congress, not somebody that's going to be loud and bold with their leadership. And also, I even more than that. I think that you've done a, a, a great job of just galvanizing people that didn't care about politics, didn't know about politics, to be interested in it, and then also to go then and advocate and go get other people to be interested in it as well. and know, when I was younger, people kind of pegged me to be, you know, the politics and all that type stuff. I was kind of on that track. And I was just so disillusioned because it felt scripted and it felt like more oligarchy than actually democratic. And I just didn't believe that. I felt like it was a broken system. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And when I found your campaign, it was like, all right, this is and it's right in my backyard whatever for whatever reason some people listen to me so it's like let me do what I can to at least help to um, bolster you know what I mean the platform and try to galvanize more people to be involved and to get informed and you know, hopefully activate them to also you know campaign for you and vote for me and stuff so that's the reason why I'm here that's the reason why I wanted to put this together um, and also because it feels like you're receptive to honest feedback questions and you know confronting um, things like face on so I wanted to get people anybody that had questions, you know, even if they didn't like agree with, with you know things that you said for it to be like, you know, this is what I feel and all that type of stuff. So I wanted to create that type of a space. Um, Matthew, um,
3: typically everybody calls me a bias. I was gonna say I thought it was a bias. <laughs> then, uh, so I was like
0: man, okay <laughs>
7: no no that's like my my government is Matthew but um, like everybody my entire growing up called me Matthias um, I am a poet, host content creator I don't know if, if I'm missing things but I'm missing things but yeah I just do stuff people like to try to debate whether me and me or Jay Doge is their favorite rapper I
0: personally the, I ain't gonna hold him on this stuff, so um, <laughs>
7: But, it. um, <laughs> it's a <debate>. <laughs> we'll for next time. <laughs> I wasn't I know, I kinda wanna I wasn't super engaged in politics like growing I wasn't really engaged in politics growing up at all until um, I started getting into debate and then you start figuring out how people like create arguments and when you can figure out how people create arguments like that's how you really figure out like you figure out how people who are trying to outthink people think and i think that you know for me when it comes to like listening to politicians either be it the politicians that i've actually met or politicians that i've like just like kind of seen in like the public sphere i think for me i really like to think i really try to figure out how people are thinking around problems or thinking around like solutions to problems or so um and so I think the first time that we were here, I think I had some questions, and I think that like like talking to Malcolm it, like, definitely answered like a lot of the questions. But I think I got a better feel for it when we were here. So I definitely like I would definitely welcome another opportunity to be able to come into the space.
0: Whatever you call yourself. <laughs> um, my name is Ajney. Um, Um, yeah,
8: okay. I'm really
0: new, so but I did see you at Ethan's birthday,
8: um, oh, yes.
0: so um, and I have seen some of your kids on Twitter, so well. yeah, I'm just excited to meet you. Have you registered to vote? Not yet. Okay. My mom just texted me. Just texted me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Sorry, we have to be very practical. Be yeah. Say in this space. Yeah. No, we can take care of that right now.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah.
8: That, that case, but... yeah. <laughs> oh, my mom, my mom just texted me. I was like, make sure you. So
0: good, okay, we'll, 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 we'll check different that off right today. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah.
4: <laughs> oh yeah, I'm an artist too, I, I fell ahead like
0: of yeah. I'm oh, an artist. Oh. I'm a- Don't talk for her! Oh. I'm a talk right now. I'm a Oh. I have just got into radio. Oh, cool. Where are you from originally? Michigan. Oh, cool, yeah, nice. I'm Detroit. <laughs> I don't know y'all. I
8: wish I could be yeah. in Australia.
0: Let's move forward. Yeah, OK. <laughs> You're welcome here in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> um,
4: I'm Zasia. I'm actually their cousin. Well, I come from there. I
0: came
4: with them. What? Wait. Yeah,
0: I'm their cousin. Oh. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Really? <laughs> whole family affair. No, I'm, um. Seriously? <laughs> oh, I was like. <laughs> I was like, anything's possible. Um, I'm originally from Cannes, Ohio. But I don't know if anyone
2: knows, but that's
0: where the Football Hall of Fame is. Known for.
4: Um, I moved here for college. I went to Ohio State. Um, I was granted a full scholarship, so of course I took advantage of that. That makes sense. Um, so no debt. Here, <laughs> <laughs> really. So I stayed here. Um, What's going on with that? I stayed here the entire time. I'm actually moving soon to Georgia. Oh, no. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm leaving. I'm of here. Why? Never mind. Okay, this is why. We'll talk- I'm a model and I'm
4: an actress, hmm. and that's what I'm pursuing mostly. In the daytime, I mentor and counsel young juvenile children. Um, that's day life. Nightlife, well, outside of that, modeling and acting, that's my passion, that's what I want to do. Um, never really been into politics at all, only because just the things I've seen in the media, I just felt like our voices don't really matter. And then I, as I got older, it's like, okay, it does matter, but it matters in these ways. It doesn't really matter in like the presid- presidential election, in my opinion. Um, I mean, I think this last presidential election tried to prove that. But um, going forward, well, the past year, I was I've just been educating myself more with politics in general and getting more aware of the basics of what my part plays in um, when it comes to pol- politics. Um, and Malcolm actually invited me to here today. He mentioned you to me, and that was my first of knowing who you were, and I wanted to come and get more insight of who you are and what you're planning to do for Columbus
0: and everything else for Okay. Well, one, I appreciate everybody sharing their stories. It's always really helpful for me to understand where people are coming from just with politics and their lives and then also knowledge of the campaign. Uh, we are 33 days out from election day, which is kind of crazy to think about, but exciting in the same way. And. Yeah, and I agree with a lot of what's been said just in terms of how critical these types of conversations are and starting to really rebuild a lot of what has been lost, I believe also in our country. So uh, how I got to this point, trust was not very lightly in running for Congress and running against a sitting incumbent, and it has a lot to do with how I started life here in Columbus. Um, probably for those who have been following along on the internet, you know, I talk a lot about that, but just the experience of witnessing firsthand the economic segregation here, here in Columbus that just based on your neighborhood or school district, or if your parents have money can really determine the outcomes of your life. And I always had a, a, I think an inherent suspicion of power and those that wield it, um, and have always been on the side of people and we can delve into why that is for a bunch of other reasons but um, so anyway because I got awoken to issues of inequality so early on it, it, had, a, it had an impact and especially being someone who's adopted I'm like well this, this has all been random for me and so if it's going to be something as simple as these other random things like zip code and school district and all that that can't be and if I am able to navigate this kind of messed up system and be okay well that's also not enough it's got to be that everybody gets a fair shot and I've been very committed to that principle, and it's what led me on this journey, really, of just trying to understand what are the systems that we've created as a country, as a community, that have allowed this to be the case, and allowed a lot of us to fall behind. And that's what I did. Once I learned there was a thing called public policy in college, I was like, all right, I got to figure that out. And from my time in Washington, I learned that the people who ultimately decide what public public policy looks like are politicians. But I've always been someone like a lot of you that was very skeptical of politicians. I didn't study political science in college. I never really worked on an official campaign beyond a volunteer capacity. People in Washington who had that vibe of being political was like, "Mm, that's not my thing at all. Because I, I I agree. I think that these people have never really given off a vibe or very few of them that they're about us, that they're about people, and that's all that I'm about. And so, you know, specifically when I was in, in Washington working at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, I got a firsthand look into the relationship with the Hill in Congress and that we were overseen by Congress and saw that, you know, a lot of the reason why people don't have any faith in this system is because We shouldn't. (laughs) I mean, these people ultimately don't care about getting anything done. They're more interested in making money, being in Washington, DC, and maintaining the status quo and continuing to actually breed a cynicism of Washington that prevents other people from thinking they should even expect more out of this institution or the people that represent us. Disheartening, to say the least. But, you know, and I I continued on and uh, increasingly over the past couple of years, you know, I started looking around, I, which came up in the debate, you know, I've lived a lot of different places, and we could talk about that, kind of trying to accumulate the skill set and really understand our country and our economy. And coming back and re-entering Columbus and talking to people about my assessment of where we are at as a community, and to me, it felt like, especially in a lot of the black neighborhoods in Columbus, in Central Ohio, where I had spent a lot of time growing up, my own neighborhood, it felt like we're in chaos in a way, that there is a breakdown of what makes this place the kind of place that as someone who was born here and given up for adoption and had a family that went through a lot of challenges early on, we were able to be okay that I don't know that we would have made it. I don't know that we would have been okay. And I certainly am looking around and feeling like a lot of people are not okay. That the cost of living has increased, that people are getting displaced, that neighborhoods that were middle class have deteriorated and are overrun with drug abuse and violence. And I took my observation to people that I would consider to be mentors and people who are knowledgeable about these things and care about them in theory. And the response that I got was, well we don't disagree with anything you're saying, but this is this is how it goes. And you know, this is just kinda like the best that we can do. And specifically once I was like, look, not only am I seeing this as what I'm observing our communities, but I feel like based on my time in Washington, I have an understanding of what would fix a lot of these things. And it's a combination of an entirely different style of organizing, which, maybe like you were saying, grassroots, like actually connecting people at the very core of where we're at. But it also is aggressive legislation that is going to make sure people have enough money to live, homes, doing something about the climate, and health care, which is a huge issue and has been for at least 40 years. And so to get this kind of feedback of, OK, sure, Morgan, but like, no. If what you're talking about is taking on a sitting incumbent in Congress who is at the top of a political machine, of a political family, you've lost your mind and stop talking to me about this and would really recommend that you not do that at all because it'll be the end of you in Ohio, in Columbus specifically. And that was when my own political education really began about the dynamics at play here in Columbus and how co-opted people are (laughs) and corrupted by such little, actually small stakes, right? Just being able to continue to get a job, just being able to continue to move up some political ladder. And that's where I knew, you know, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna get our communities on the right track, we have to build outside of this. We have to be honest with people about what's not working, but also present an agenda that people can believe in because we know that this is what it's gonna take to get it done and, and we're just going to have to let go. And for me personally, it also meant letting go a lot of my existing personal relationships to, to launch this campaign. And so that's what we did at, over the summer. We launched it. We talk a lot about how I heard every reason why it wouldn't work, um, because there is this cynicism. And cynicism is also a way to maintain control in the status quo. But we've just been knocking through that. And it's been through a lot of people like you who are open-minded, who already have reached these conclusions for yourself, but are at least open-minded because they see that when you say grassroots and I'm not a politician, I mean it, and I am saying that I am about you, I am not about me, I am not about trying to get ahead, and I am not about making money, and I'm saying I'm not going to take any money from corporations, because we've seen enough of that over our time in Columbus and as a country. So uh, happy to continue to engage in conversation. I'm really, really excited to even have this group here. We do similar types of sessions every Saturday throughout the 3rd District in Central Ohio, and... I'm I'm so excited to win on March 17th, of course, but a theme I always say is, this is not just about me, this is not just about this campaign, this election, one day, this is about a generation of work I believe it's going to take to get our country back on track, and it is a door-by-door, block-by-block, neighborhood-by-neighborhood exercise, and anyone who tries to quibble with me over that, they're delusional or corrupt, Mm -hmm. and we don't listen to them, (laughs) so we just keep it moving.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, you said a lot and everything. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know, like, where to get into it. Um, but I, I do have like some questions. But I think that I'm pretty familiar with your campaign. So before I ask any of my questions, I, I'd rather like open up the floor to anybody else that might have like questions that, like, just on your head or on your heart, or if There aren't any then I can go that. So cool. All right. So real quick, like. In the aftermath of the debate, because I've never been to a local <laughs> debate before. Is that recorded
0: anywhere? We did Facebook Live. I don't know. If, I don't know the status of the recording. I didn't
1: record it, and I, I almost did, and then I didn't. And I was just like, oh no, I'll find it somewhere, and yeah, I can't find it
4: anywhere.
1: Um, we have
0: two more coming up, though. So. Slightly different format, but...
1: I've never seen anything like that before. Oh, you know where it is?
8: No, I was going to say, I lied, I do have a question. Oh, Oh, yeah. It took me a while to actually format it (laughs) around. It's all good. And I don't know if this seems off topic, but it's something that I think about a lot, particularly with the current election. Um, How What role do artists, specifically artists of color, like play in your campaign process? Mm -hmm. I think a lot about how Elizabeth Warren has...
4: Behind the scenes working for her, very specifically, a lot of black poets,
8: Mm -hmm. um, which is insane. Like Mm -hmm. black poets who are are literally like helping to work on her speeches, Mm -hmm. work on Mm -hmm. a number of things, and those same poets are getting like book awards for like like getting national.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been very cool, beautiful Mm -hmm. to
8: watch. And so um, I think looking at the like relationships between artists and politicians that historically had, I don't know. I don't know how much it has existed. Like, is there, and I saw you coming to, like you said, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. birthday. Is there a relationship that you're, like, striving
0: to have specifically with artists or arts of color in the city? Yeah. This whole experience yeah. of launching this campaign has been magical in a lot of ways. And, and just, you know, our whole process here, I thought, see, I call him Stage 1 too, because he's all my fiance. But anyway. Uh, no, and so one of my early, my early, um, actually before we launched i went to this session and i was attending you know before launch on july 1st a lot of different community events to try to identify partners like-minded people that were like hey do you see what i see that these people are full of you know what and what's going on right like let's ring the alarm here we can't trust these people to guide us into the next decade let alone the next century right and And one of the events I went to was down on town at the Urban Arts Center, and it was Chris Hearn hosted an event, and it was on gentrification. And I just saw it come up, because I was following Malcolm on Twitter and and a couple other people that I had seen posting about things that seemed culturally and socially relevant to me. And so I was like, oh, let me check this out. I went by myself, met Chris at the door. I don't know if you know. Seize the yeah. Yeah, I might know the Seize. Seize, yeah. And I sat down, because I had been attending, like I said, a lot of events, and every single one, it was the same layer, just like what we left at the state of the city, I would call it now, like, political theater, or uh, revisionist history, or whatever label you want to apply to it. But this was the first event I had gone to, especially on the topic of gentrification, which is so relevant for the third district, where I was like, oh, people are being real. Like, we are living through another phase of colonialism. And at the time, you know, I was like, wow, I mean, I hadn't heard anybody apply that exact term to it and I'd work, because I'd been working at more like a housing organization before that, but I was like, that's exactly what this is, right? And it was interesting to me that it was the artists in Columbus that were being honest and leading a conversation on what is ultimately a public policy problem. And our elected officials are unwilling to talk about it, right, the only thing we hear from them is, oh, isn't the nearest side great? And we're gonna do it again in Linden and, and then we'll take our road show to the hilltop, right? It's like, roadshow of what? <laughs> Wholesale wealth transfer, right? Did they actually say road show? Well, oh, got you. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> He's like, I'm tweeting right now. I'm tweeting right now. No, but. But that's what a lot of these political events end up being. It's like performance. It is almost like performance art, right? It's like we've got the screen. We've got the branding. No questions from the audience. Thank you for coming. We appreciate your time. Aren't you happy that we're representing you? Isn't it great? You love it, right? what is this right but artists were being real and I was like interesting okay let me just tuck that away because I felt like in the creative community I was finding the right analysis and the honesty and then we launched and then we have had people since then that have reached out like Malcolm and it's like hey I saw what you're talking about on social media can we connect we met Chris Hearn who I had met at that event who's been really supportive and I feel like the artists, the creative community in Columbus, particularly black creative community, has given us a lot of the momentum that we see, You know, now just 33 days out from the election, and kind of like the validation of, yes, we see what she's saying too, and we have no skin in the game, right? It's like Malcolm, well, now we learn, maybe Malcolm is trying to plot to be president, I don't know about your political yeah. ambitions, yeah. But, <laughs> but on the, on the surface, <laughs> but I think people trust artists speaking about social issues. And we saw that during the civil rights movement too, like James Baldwin, for example, it's like, because they aren't, we know that that isn't why they're speaking. It isn't to get ahead for themselves. It's because they are a reflection of what's actually happening um, at, their, at their best. Not, you know, not being an artist, but that's my impression. That's why I've always gravitated towards creative communities. And so it's been a really important component of the campaign, I would say, not one that I would have anticipated necessarily before, but I don't think we're, we would be where we're at. we are, we're, we are at without the creative community. And it's interesting to think about in a world where people don't trust institutions as much and I think are waking up to the fact that our political leaders aren't always trustworthy and Trump helped a lot of people along with that, where do you turn for your, your truth? <laughs> yeah, I do kind of want to piggyback off
2: of that. Just because I, I you describe it as kind of cool because I always see myself as somebody who really cares about what's going on. Just a, I have a weird background, I'm not a little bit more about um, things, but it's just like, I have always felt like I want to care more, but I don't know how I actually work. so I put in my music, <clears throat> but then it feels a little empty, it's like, what are you actually doing, what can you actually do, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's probably way a lot of artists feel, and I, I like that you're, you're targeting that, and kind of trying to, that gives us more of an idea, like, oh, so this is my city I can literally contact, and say, like, hey, like, what can I do? You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and what could I do that actually is within my means? Mm-hmm. Like, that I could get other people on to maybe make me feel a little like, less like I'm just doing this by myself? Right. Kind of right. Because, uh, aside from, you know, I, uh, I was in Nigeria for all the month of December for mm-hmm. the first time. I like, that's where oh, cool. my, my family's mm-hmm. But going there, I'm thinking, like, maybe there's something I can see that I can maybe do about in the future and I, I just want to see how you can... Live. Like, it's, there's a lot of things I liked about when yeah, mm-hmm. I saw there, but it was like, it's just a city. <clears throat> you mean
0: thinking about whether you should move there and live there? Well, not
2: necessarily <clears throat> whether I should move there and live there. It's more so like, I saw a lot of, like, poverty. Seen mm-hmm. A lot of poverty. But then the day, their poverty just looks different than ours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it was like, it made me think about how you can actually do something to the city. How you can actually fix How you can, like, say it, but not just say it, like, like naive, like mm-hmm. oh, we're gonna fix the world. We're mm-hmm. gonna trust me on this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do about a place like that. But mm-hmm. I'm in the city, and I can see you right in front of me, mm-hmm. trying to actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. I'm just—that's a common, really. Now not exciting like, to, to see that, that point.
1: That's one of the things. I don't know who I was talking to. It might have been a Place that, or it might have been Ben. But one of the things that is really exciting about this campaign right here is that because we are in this gerrymandered district, you know. It's going to be a blue district when the election comes in November. And whoever like wins this primary is going to go to Congress and whatnot. And so if we send somebody that is aggressively progressive, then we're sending them up to the federal level. And that's somebody that's going to have a loud speaker box that they can talk about all these things that are really important and help to drive like the issues of the campaigns and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, one of the things that you know, was said at the debate you know, from George, she was like, yo, I met with uh, ALC, you know, and now I'm going to, like, bring in some of these different topics or whatever that she was talking about, trying and figure out ways that we can incorporate it. And to me, you know, I was I already, you know, strongly obviously leaning towards Morgan. And mm-hmm. But it was like, yo, if, if I had any in Dallas, that would just, you know, secure it for me because you're, you're showing that the proof is in the pudding that a aggressively progressive representative in Congress Helps to push the agenda further left. It helps to push these issues that are really important, like onto the top of the agenda, and everything. And um, it, you know, if we're talking about ways that we can actually make change and, and really like drive the conversation, I kind of personally slept on the importance of the U.S. Uh, representative, but really the way that the founders, you know, built the country is so that we would have neighborhoods that have like direct representation on the federal level that's the reason why we have the house of representatives yeah. the biggest house in the whole you know what i mean and so they have huh, yeah. a two
5: year term they have a two year term <laughs> two year term two year
1: two yeah. terms exactly mm-hmm. um, so it can be representative of the people but I'm sorry I didn't mean to
4: hijack no
0: that. I no I think you make an important point I mean one yes a lot of people think of because this is the culture that Congress has been the. US House of Representatives I should say specifically has been is this like distant federal representative i'm back hello good to see you goodbye ceremonial leadership right it's like no you're supposed to actually be in the weeds your district office is direct connection you take that it feeds up into this larger political system and advocate for the resources we need to address the issues this is not meant to be a removed ceremonial position but also the point of aoc and i thought that was an interesting moment in the debate as well where because a lot of the arguments against me that my opponent was making were tied to my so-called lack of experience. Well, I would challenge that because I have, you know, worked in Washington and policy all this stuff, but it's an interesting thing to then counter that yourself, you know, saying, oh, but on climate, one of the major issues of our lives, not that our gerrymandered, safe, democratic district leader representative is leading the charge on developing climate policy or legislation, no, it took A bartender, a 20-something-year-old bartender from New York who's been there for two years, just got there, freshman congressperson, to introduce a resolution to move forward on climate legislation, and then our representative, who's been there for eight years, to go downstairs, literally downstairs, she said, to meet with her, to make a tweak on her proposal. Interesting. And experience is what we're looking for? Okay. I
5: have a question, because I've always wondered, like, because I, I know you're getting pushback from the establishment. I'm certain that AOC not only still gets it, but got it 10 times as much. You know, it's just like, do you think the pushback comes from them not agreeing with the progressive policies, or does the pushback come from the power, the status quo? It's more it's not even like they uh, agree or disagree with policies, it's more they want to be the ones making policy. Or do you think the pushback comes from they're actually worried about us going too progressive? Or like...
0: I I truly believe it comes from not really caring that much about policy. I think it comes from a lot of people who are being there who don't even understand policy. They've just risen the ranks of a political chain, right? And it comes from a lot of people who represent us there who have benefited from the system as is, because most of those people are extremely wealthy.
5: So it's more maintain status quo maintain. rather than disagree or or agree on policy. It's more we'd rather still be the people here making these decisions. And and well, I love your progressive input, give it to me. But I'd rather be the person you know making the decisions.
0: I think I think it's that. They, at this point, don't even know what they really believe. The agenda has been influenced a lot by corporations. They have this belief that they're taught that incrementalism is the way that we can responsibly move forward. And my response to that is, what has incrementalism gotten us?
5: (laughs) And how incrementally have we moved? Right. And, and what Yeah,
1: She kept on yeah. talking about, like, yo, my experience, my experience. And I'm looking at the
4: experience of, like, well, why should I believe in this record? Like, what exactly? What happened? Yeah. yeah. How have I benefited from your time and yeah. your experience? And what great
0: things have ever happened in the United States of America through, oh, let's just take let's take this one slow. Let's take this one easy. Not even great. I wouldn't even say some of the big things that have happened have been great, necessarily, but we certainly are willing to put a lot of resources into lots of big things that are transformative, including here at Clubhouse. Like, yeah. let's rip up all our rail let's do that right and no one's like hmm maybe let's just try taking one bit of rail away and then we'll see how that goes and then we'll no, we used to make sweeping changes all the time and, wrote, what does that make the meaning that we used to have rail that would take you from Columbus to you know Toledo Chicago all the, and then that was decided no we're not gonna do that we're disinvesting in rail we're gonna invest in building freeways that mainly cut through black communities and cut us off from economic opportunity. These are large federal decisions that are made. Now, we don't always agree with them, but the argument that we can't move too boldly, we can't move too quickly is like, well, no, we, we do that. Another a more positive example of that, perhaps, would be like the GI Bill after World War II. Let's educate all of our veterans who are coming back from fighting World War II. Done, done, no grand debate, done. So this is, these are arguments to protect the status quo and make people not believe. And I, I'll say, I was one, you know, federal government, I've always been a little skeptical of, like I said, suspicion of power, is a lot of power at that level, more of a community-based person, but had this nagging realization that's like, yeah, but if we're only, if the only people with good intentions are at the community level, then it's always gonna be people with these less clear intentions who are in power, right? And once I got to Washington and saw, it's like, no, we need to have us, there, in order to actually get the resources to support our goals, you kind of spoke to it. Um,
1: I mean, obviously, one of the, the big things that uh, your opponent was talking about the debate was how you didn't have as much experience as she did, and therefore, like, we should trust her experience over yours. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you were saying, Well, you know, I wasn't watching with the policy and all that. If you just like speak a little bit to that, yeah.
0: My, a couple responses in terms, of, in terms of experience. It's like, okay, well, after I went to college, I worked in Washington at the Federal Trade Commission, realized that was an organization that wasn't moving with urgency, then went on to work at a think tank in Washington that develops federal policy with a lot of people that went on to, that had been in a Clinton administration, that went on to staff in Obama administration. Then I went back to school, got a master's in public policy, went to law school, became a lawyer, Came here, worked, clerked for a federal judge to see what the enforcement of a lot of policy looks like. Worked at a law firm for two years. Worked at the CFEB for three years. I now then was at a national housing organization looking at what our, our, our idea of affordable housing looks like nationally and observing a lot of the things we see here in central Ohio happening in every major metropolitan area across the country. And then I turned 36. And then I decided to run for Congress, right? So it's like, do I need to be? A senior citizen before, you know, so well, there are- No, that's the
5: thing, right? Like, how old do I need to be? That's basically what you're saying. Like, how old are, you know, because it's not even experience. It's it's time in, again, if I you can have a whole record and it can all be a, a bunch of nothingness. And you can say, well, I've been an elected representative for a couple decades and you did what? And like, right. that's not...
0: Well, and the experience you know. that my opponent and a lot of people in politics are looking for is the experience that they signed off on. That you ran for this thing, I decided you got to do this, then you go and you become a you're like, city council, and then you get to go to Congress. It's like, well, it's that exact approach to politics that one, makes it uninteresting to regular people who don't don't take that seriously because it seems like a career-building exercise. <laughs> and also, it's not... Relevant, right? It's like some people, when we, especially when first launched, like, "Oh, Morgan, why didn't you run for city council?" It's like, I don't know. I've never worked in local government. Would you want me on city council, right? Right? It's like I've worked in the federal government. I understand national policy. This is the skill set that I have, and the type of office that I think I can bring a lot of experience to bear. That's
1: what I was going to ask you the next thing because. You know, in the aftermath of the, the debate, I had several conversations. Like, a lot of people tuned into it, whether it was on Facebook Live mm-hmm. or, you know, being present or, like, just hearing the conversations after. And one of the big things is, like, well, yeah, where has she been for the last 10 years or so, mm-hmm. however um that they were talking about. And, like, do you think that that was, like, a, a relevant point, mm-hmm.
0: you know? Mm-hmm. No, well, so I have a, a response to this question, because this is something that comes up a lot. With the, the point being, okay, but you haven't been around, so you don't really understand what's going on, is what folks are trying to suggest. And what's interesting about that is, but no one's ever disagreeing with any of the things I was yeah. observing that are going on. So it's like, when I say something that's inaccurate, yeah. please do let me know. But I don't, if I'm not inaccurate, then why? I have a i words coming my head, but I'm not going to say it, then why would I continue to sit back and let two more years of the same thing go on and on until people have decided I've earned my right to represent what my community needs? If you care about people, why would you want that? There are unaddressed needs in our community, and we are building a movement to make people aware of them, and also, more importantly, some of the pieces of legislation that could actually address them. And my opponent has had eight years to do that, and where are the results? But I will also say, this is my home. So yes, I have been building a federal skill set to be able to understand the issues that have held a lot of our communities back. And it's not one that can necessarily be built in Columbus, Ohio. But I've stayed very closely connected to the community. I came back in 2010, worked for a judge here, like I was saying. My family all lives here. But I think it's really important that we recognize what this position is for and what it's gonna to take to use it to its maxi- maximum efficacy. And I did a lot of the thing. You know, My opponent's often saying like, where have you been? The soup kitchen, volunteering, all this. Like, I did all of that. As a kid, I saw that this is not gonna get at what we need to get systemic change, and I got educated, and also, by the way, free to be able to do something like this, because a lot of people who have these understandings and observations and potentially a skill set are scared because if you run outside of the machine, your career is over in Columbus, Ohio. Well, I have the freedom to actually be real and also a skill set to use the position to do something.
1: Yeah. Yes. Oh,
7: go ahead. So I, was, I think like two things. Like one of the things that I, I, I think I get really hyper alert is like imputing the motive of like the other side, right? So like mm-hmm. thinking that they don't want something dramatic to happen or mm-hmm. something
4: of mm-hmm. that
7: nature. Like, I have family that's, like, they fall on, like, Democrat and Republican, mm-hmm. like, kind of varying depending on where they live, and stuff like that. And the thing that's interesting is that, for the most part, they don't hold an extremely diverse subset of values. Mm-hmm. Like, most of it is, like, they care about a lot of the same things. Some of the stuff on the peripheral is might be the determinant factor on, like, whether they're conservative, liberal, all this other stuff. But a lot of the same stuff is a lot of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that one of the things that I get, I think, interested in is because, like, when you're talking about very large changes, especially as you're talking about, I mean, like, you were, you were building, I guess, a lot more of your experience on a federal level and not necessarily as, perhaps, local as a lot, like, you know, like, I've lived in Columbus, like, pretty much my entire life.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: Right? And so, I think somebody might look at that, like, well, I've like, I've known this person since I was a kid, right? Like, you know, I have, like, I've only known this person to be, like, in, like maybe in power. So at the very least, even if we're talking about, like, why should I, like, the machine's going, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, you know, people have jobs, people have families, people have, like, li- at the very least, they know, like, there's things that are operative in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been a lot of really observable public policy and I say, like, a, a lot of it has come from Democrats, you know what I mean? Like, that have failed people in large populaces. And that people look at and like, okay, so why should I want to be a person that's like, okay, so I'm trusting in this very new kind of radical mm-hmm. idea, like, in comparison to maybe what some of the things that maybe I'm, I'm experiencing now. Like, why would I...
0: Yeah, for example, do you have a specific idea or value in mind uh, there?
7: you well, oh, maybe not something like, okay, so like, you brought up ALC earlier, like, mm-hmm. when we we're talking about the, the Amazon thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's people that lived in that district that were like, okay, like, we lost a huge subset of jobs that her district was very much so needing in jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for me, I'm not thinking about this Jeff Bezos is this, this evil character, this, like, looming, really rich guy that he needs. If I'm a person that lives living in the district, and maybe I need a job, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, why don't I have a job, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that sometimes people get it, it's it's easy to come from outside and be like, listen, we need to change, we need to wipe this table clean, and then somebody else is like, they're living there, they're in the muck, and they're like, yo, I could have used a job, but like this person's like. I see him on TV all the time, and I see him on Instagram live, and mm-hmm. I see them you know, I see them doing all, like, talking all this, like, really, really big policy talk, but, like, the policy talk that they have, like, it translates into, a lot of times, a, like, a worse standard, like, to the, like, to the people, even though it's, like, really, really exciting mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the movie, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, like, mm-hmm. it feels really, really exciting, because it's, like, it feels younger, it feels fresher, it feels like, like, you, you're, like, on the level of the people, but then, when the change happens, how do we know that... This thing is incrementally better than what we're going through now.
0: Mm-hmm. So, as I'm listening to you, I'm kind of thinking of one of the top issues I hear mm-hmm. when just talking to people throughout the district, and that would be healthcare, for example, that comes up, or health costs specifically, healthcare costs, and. And a lot of people, I would say, have never heard of Medicare for All, one of the policies that I'm backing, meaning like universal health care, that it wouldn't be tied to who your employer is, that everybody would be able to have health care and negotiate control costs and all that. Uh, But I'm very aware that, you know, for some of the people I may be talking to, they could very well work in the insurance industry, right? Which is a big employer here in central Ohio. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not like, let's blow it up, you know, that's not, <laughs> I don't think that's an effective, I mean, one, that's not really how I personally communicate. I don't think that's an effective way to talk about this. And it's also not what it would actually look like, right? To transition people into a single-payer system would be a longer transition. There would be a lot of jobs created through that, the creation of that system. And a lot of the jobs would be tied to very similar types of tasks, ultimately. But you're in the industry, so I'm you know, obviously very curious about... Your well, views specifically.
7: Right? I think not only that, but, like that's also a, that's that's also a federal issue, right? Like that's also something that you can advocate for, but it have to be passed on a federal level, right. right? So like it's not like I'm maybe like particularly like Columbus White, like I like this district. What is like do you, is there something?
1: No, um, can I jump in? Yeah, yeah, that's something that they talked about at the debate. Everything. Um, sorry, I missed that. Like I, I can't remember what we were doing. But
0: we had There's another one on February 18th. Is it on TV yes. or do you have to... Wait, when? TV? Tuesday.
1: No. I Tuesday. I don't know where the station will be on. Are they
0: on TV? I don't know. We sent around a media advisory. Uh, Some okay. of There were clips of the last one, but they not were. the full... Okay. Yeah, not the full.
1: But, like, one of the things they talked about was the, um... What was the bill? The defense uh, spending bill? Yeah. The they, you know, and, you know, the incumbent's uh, stance on it was that if we don't pass this, then... You know, there's going to be people and they're going to suffer here in central Ohio. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason why I voted yes for it, even if it was giving more money and everything to, um, you know, well, not more money, but giving more power to Trump and all that type of mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, I'm not giving this maniac more power regardless. And mm-hmm. Like, I think that speaks to your point.
4: Am I wrong?
0: Like, we don't want to make it so people working at DSCC, for example, aren't able to get, like, the federal jobs are on the line. And if the government shuts down, people will be able to get a paycheck. So that's the argument of, uh, but do we have a, a principled position on not wanting to continue to fund wars that are not a good use of resources? Is kind of a conflict that you is yeah. presenting. Yeah, but hey, again, none of this stuff. is... Here. <laughs> like, I don't
1: Like
7: I
9: have I, I,
7: like I could probably have a, a long discussion just as far as like what I don't personally see how create making something a turning something from a good to a right. Would make it more available. That's I think that's my only thing. So I think a lot of times when I hear the the terminology around like universal healthcare, like mm-hmm. I'm thinking like you have creating a doctor costs a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. Like if well, I, you know what I mean. So it, it I doesn't think about have that. To. And like not only that, but I'm thinking about like just span apart across America. Like, it costs
0: a lot of money here. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money.
7: That's okay. That's fair. But I'm, I'm just saying that I, I think I think there's a lot of layers to that as well. But I'm I wasn't necessarily saying something about I, I was just the real, only reason I'm bringing that up is like I think that talking about so for example I've done like six or seven events and I don't necessarily support her but like I've done like six or seven events for Joyce Fading like as an artist right like mm-hmm. she's like I've like performed like there are certain places or whatever um, and in, her talking points, I think uh, I I process a lot of things like listening to a person that wants me to vote for them. And so I'm like, I I, I used to work in sales, and so I know what it is to sit in a room with somebody that's like, they want, like, they're saying things to me as if I am a person that they have to please to get one action out of me. You know what I mean? And (laughs) like, because I don't know what happens after that. You know what I mean? And so, I don't know. I think that I was trying to figure out what, like, it's it's good to have an idea for something that's like really really positive, but it's also like this is something that's happening on a federal level. So like, I don't want to say it's so far up, but it's also like, like, what is like a specific problem that like that might be unique to to your district that you're like I want to work. And solve that
1: problem. Yeah, because, that's a great question. Yeah. I was gonna ask that too. Mm-hmm. Like, what legislation is gonna actually like impact this here in the mm-hmm. district and whatnot?
0: Well, I mean, just just on the healthcare point though, like 20% of people living in Franklin County don't have health insurance. I mean, people that are on Obama exchanges, yeah, but are paying as much on the exchanges as they're paying for their mortgage. So, and a lot of people and seniors who are on Medicare, but are still finding it very difficult to control drug costs while on Medicare. So I do think it is a bit, it's the most common thing that I hear people talking about throughout the third district on the healthcare. but.
7: Okay. Because okay. I, I I'm saying like, to, to your point, that would be an extremely common thing everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. like, like cause the reason why Obamacare was not implemented because of that oh. exact problem, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So like, in, but to, just to Malcolm's like, I question I is what I'm saying. Like I'm not, I'm saying that making something like universally free to everybody mm-hmm. is an extremely, like in, a, in an ideal world, like I would absolutely agree with you 100%. And I think I typically try to work out in my head, how could that happen?
4: Mm-hmm. And
7: all the avenues that I've tried to work it out You know like even if you bring it to a very small level you there's so many other things that you have to push out the way when it comes to creating a doctor like you know even regardless if it's anywhere like people spend a lot of money to be a doc have spent a lot of money to be a doctor already so Mm -hmm. now you have to supplant a system in money that people have spent already to become doctors or to be to own hospitals and all this other stuff in order to then Create a system where you're able to provide this mm-hmm. thing as a uh, as a as a right, as opposed to a good. Because I don't know, I don't know thing. I don't know a lot of things that when you when they became rights, immediately became more available.
4: Mm-hmm. Whereas
7: <laughs> making things goods so that people have to engage in capitalism in order to, like, you know, as like a direct, and there's like a lot of like free versions of healthcare as well, like, healthcare a,
2: like, a, a, See, that's, all right, that's where I, I want to go for a quick second, because you know how, I, that's what I was trying to really get at is how like, I'll think of that type of thing, like, oh, I wish everybody got healthcare, and it just seems idealistic, and blah, 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 because if you were to take out healthcare, and take out these jobs, and blah, 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 and all these <laughs> things, I think what we're getting at here, without, why I, I'm kind of feeling like, I'm solidified in my thinking, with going like this direction. It's just like, at the end of the day, the whole system broken. So it's yeah. like, if we're now trying to save the insurance jobs in order to make sure that people have jobs, but then there's people who are being screwed by the system in general, yeah. then it's like we're, we're, we're working in the wrong direction. Because the jobs don't really mean nothing. money in itself. I don't want to get off. I don't want to get <laughs> off. No, know no, Big conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's worth. And it's like, I luckily was not in a situation where I had to go with the orphanage route, I had to be put in a, a position where I had to go into the foster care, but I was very close to that. Only why I didn't go into that is because Nigeria, like I just saw home and I saw how they do things, somebody's not feeling good, I mean, somebody's not in a good position. You see kids that are on the street, you just bring them into your house, period. You know what I mean? That happens all over the place. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's just the way they think, it's the way they do things. That's not going to work in America. It's not how we do things here. We have a social service system going on. But a lot of people like, like, I was watching a show called The Wire, if any of y'all have seen it, but like. Michael B. Jordan, <laughs> he's taking care of all these kids just so they don't have to go through the system because the be system's broken. So it's like, my thing is like, I'd rather just go with somebody who is at the end of the day going to go against the grain and just see what can be done, period, and has experience and knows how to do it. You know what I mean? So it's like, so here, so, and
7: I don't, it has nothing to do with the jobs for Like, I'm not trying okay, to- is that a right.
0: root ID? Okay, so you don't work in health insurance, you work in car insurance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's, That's mean, a very specific, <laughs>
7: okay. Yeah, well, so, so here's something that I think is like really interesting, because like, it's it's not about the jobs. Like I think about like there's a lot of people who are doctors right now because A, you get paid a lot to be a doctor. And B because they had a very specific subset of like either talents or or what have you, like, you know, inclinations when it comes to like working with their hands or something like that in order to be working in their field. Like there's a lot of people who are working in their field that are extremely kids in their field because this person needed to be doing like you couldn't train me to be a doctor to save my life,
2: <laughs>
7: right? You know what I mean? So like, and and
9: I think about like what
7: it would mean to like I agree our healthcare system is that's like we, we need a lot of work to be like to, to to get to a better system. I think the only thing I'm wondering is that like I don't see a lot of places that have a great system that is not. Like, you have to sacrifice something in order to have, like, and if you're gonna have a free system,
0: you can have a free system. Well, so we also need to break that down. Okay, because that's a label that gets put on it that's a free system. No, we are putting money into it. It's called taxes, but it's called putting our tax dollars to work for something that actually improves our quality of life, not wars with people that we don't even know who we're fighting against, right? So it is not free. It is our money that we give to the government that we are now saying we want to be put towards a better purpose.
5: Redirecting a funds. Really I was just great. going to say, we spend way—I mean,
4: in my opinion—way too much on military spending that we always justify. Take that, you know, a part of it, put it to a good cause. Yeah,
0: we have to de- decrease the corporate tax rate by over thirty percent over the course of our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge revenue stream. Mm-hmm. Companies can, will continue to profit. They've done it before at higher tax rate. Were there companies in the 1980s? There were companies in the 1980s, and they were making a lot of money, yep. right?
5: That's a good one. Yeah. There's a lot so, to that, though. OK.
0: Yeah, OK. So we are sacrificing a lot of revenue, putting increasing pressure on middle and lower class people. Most of us are fitting to that category, middle, lower class. And I don't think it's sustainable. I really don't believe that it's sustainable. So. You know, a lot of this, I was in a, a meet and greet like this with a lot of people who were very affluent. And I got the question, you know, well, what, what's your view on the healthcare system? Medicare for all, like I say, in every place where, you know, pretty consistent. But, but, Morgan, you'd be willing to compromise, right? Like, you'd be willing to, like, think, I will work with anyone from anywhere who is willing to work together to make sure that everyone in this country has health care like every other industrialized nation on the planet. But what I am not going to do is true. But what I am not going to do is while representing the one of the most progressive and safely democratic districts in the country compromise on that goal, right? Like that is this is the legislation that is out there right now to get us to universal health care. If we are not willing to push for it while representing one of the most safely democratic districts in the entire country, you know where any discussion about that issue will will go? Nowhere. Exactly where it's gone since Obamacare was implemented. It will go nowhere. Because politicians that are taking money from pharmaceutical companies, who make a lot of money on this, taking money from the health insurance industry that's making a lot of money off of this, have no incentive to ever push that conversation forward. Final thing I'll say on this, because healthcare is a very important topic to me. We spend a lot of money now. It's very inefficient. So I actually, there used to be Republicans that pushed for universal health care. This was considered a Republican position in the 1950s and 1960s. Why it's now getting labeled as this leftist extreme agenda shows you how far we have been thrown into this brainwashing, and it's gotta, when does it stop? And if we're not willing to stop it, we're just gonna continue to see people that are making decisions between paying utilities and going to the doctor. And, and who are those people? Those people are us. And we'll,
5: and we'll stay the only country of all the other, you know, uh, developed countries where we have, in the six figures, hundreds of thousands of Americans declaring bankruptcy each year. And these other countries, it's zero, literally zero. And, and that's the difference is, you know, like, there can't. It's all for compromise in politics, because that's how you, there are, you get a lot done that way. But there's certain values you can't compromise. I believe, like, if you're going to get to Malcolm's point, this is a, this is a blue district. This has to be the district, these districts around the United States have to be where we are the most uncompromising when it comes to things like Medicare for all, because we have to lead that fight. Yeah. So, yeah. I, this is like kind of cynical, but like, so we
7: went on like we went on like a cruise for our, our honeymoon like when, like when we had when Malcolm had pre-corona
0: it, it like, <laughs> <laughs> pre-corona <laughs> cruises.
7: <laughs> this was like it was like when we came to this thing this was like my first like first or second day back from our honeymoon right like to the first one and we met a couple um his name was it was chris and sasha and they're both from sweet and it was Wildly eye-opening yeah. experiencing experience because he hates he, like you brought up. If you bring up Sweden's healthcare system, or you bring up Sweden's ta- like you bring up Sweden's healthcare system, he bring up the taxes right behind it. and He says like it takes so me, bad. it took him so like like three or four years to find out what was like going on with like his body until like he found out he had like, a gluten allergy, right? Um, it was like a funny, it was like a funny thing that happened. on, But he was just like, go he's like extremely allergic. Like he, if he has like a little bit of it, like he'll, it's all, this all thing. Um, and it was like really interesting hearing his his perspective because he's talking about American politics and he's like he's hearing all these people, um, proposing stuff that he's like, I'm, I see it happen. Like I've been, he's been to multiple other countries too. He's like, I've seen all this stuff happen. Like, I, I, I watch it happen where I'm from. Like, people don't like it. Like, like one of the, like the people that are living there, they're like, they're arguing again. And I'm not saying that it's like it's things that can't work because our our ecosystem is different, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we we defend ourselves. Like, we defend Sweden. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, it's also like there's like a whole bunch of things that are like so much different um, there. But it's just to say that. Like, the concerns, the stuff that I'm saying right now isn't aren't things that there aren't people that believe those things, right? And they're not only believe those things, but I think there are people that are like, I've watched the outworking of these other things in smaller measures, and I've seen how they don't really work as well, and I see how there's, there's That's like, what, there's like structural, st- st- well, there's real structural issues, like when it comes to like like, again, cr-
1: like
2: as well compared to like American healthcare? Yeah. Well he like he was like, Yo, I, if you
7: go he came to America to figure out he had a gluten allergy. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. Like like there's there's so there's so much wild like I, I just think that there's a lot of things that are happening, whether it's like what, what, what you talked about going against the grain, I'm like if I'm ever trying to figure out a problem, the first thing I'm trying to figure out is why that's happening in the first place. And then I'm like, okay, let me reverse engineer what the solution can be, as opposed to being like, oh, this is happening this way, then I have to do this other thing in order for it to work. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that these people are right, I'm just saying that when you're talking about the concept of experience, I think a lot of times there's, there's something to it when you're talking about, okay, like, if there has to be a reason why this thing is here, and uprooting the system isn't
0: the... Do you know know why we have our current healthcare system? So, I'm half... Okay, I'm gonna break it down very quickly because I actually, I'm with you. I don't like to talk about things that I don't understand how we got to this place and I wanna have the background to know that I'm reaching informed positions. And the reason why we have healthcare that is based on the insurance industry is because after World War II, Wages were frozen, so how companies were able to compete for labor was, was by offering additional benefits like healthcare. Right? So once healthcare became that's what commodified healthcare, okay, and then there was an opportunity to make money by becoming the middleman between companies who now have committed to providing their employees with healthcare and the employees themselves, private insurance began small, rose up. Then you needed to have executive-level leadership that ran these companies to keep everything moving. And that's how we have our current health insurance, private health insurance system. So
4: I don't remember the date, but we had from like the 40s, 50s to the 70s that you were nonprofit private companies. Mm -hmm. So then when we changed it so it could be private, for profit, it completely came to this. Yeah. So we just have that little bubble to remember. It just not private insurance, right? It was then the profit?
0: I'll just say not an inevitability yeah. by any means. In some ways, a historic anomaly, right. and things can be adjusted.
4: Well, it, let's get there, and then we'll make it better. But let's get everybody covered and then work on making it
1: better. Yeah, making the system better and stuff. I know that we're like, yeah, it's of like, awesome. we're like just a little bit like no, show it's interesting. Of,
0: interesting.
1: Um, another thing that was brought up at the debate, and this is actually something that like, as I was talking to other people that do follow local politics and federal politics and everything, um, there's like, you know, it's going to be tough to challenge. Uh, Joyce on her record or whatever, because she has some of the most progressive like, legislation in, in Congress all time. and I mean, again, by my own admission, I'm not familiar enough with what her entire record is to say that it's not progressive enough. I'm just looking at the things that she's campaigning on now and looking at like her attitude towards things like, I no, mean, that's not good enough for me. But what would you say to somebody that did say that like she has made a career off of like progressive like, legislation and stuff? Because that was something that she had said in the debate, I had like, written it down and everything.
0: Well, a lot of the policies that I'm talking about that I would describe as progressive, like, oh, I guess another important point to make on the Medicare for All is that Representative Beatty's a co-sponsor of Medicare for All. So in that, in that way, uh, she has kind of made some sort of commitment, though. Says now I'm I have giving no allegiance
7: people. I'm gonna leave this to like. No,
0: no, no! But I'm just saying, no. like, in terms of making sure people have full information. But I'm when I say it, I actually mean it. I really do mean it. But now she's attacking me for supporting that policy. Really but right. you know, right. anyway. Okay, so Medicare for all is one of those policies that I would describe as progressive because it's meant to help move everyone forward, okay, right? Yeah, progress forward. Because I, 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 think it, I do believe that it is a problem that we consider it a success when 20% of people in this country don't have mm-hmm. health care. And even those with health insurance are finding it difficult to manage the cost of health care decisions. Okay. So that's just my view on that. Green New Deal, I would consider that to be a progressive policy that I'm backing. Climate cli- crisis is real. We need to address it, reduce carbon emissions, but also create it's an opportunity to create higher paying jobs for people that would get people to more living wage jobs. Those words, Green New Deal, were not ones that my opponent was uttering before we launched this campaign. Facts. You can, you can look back. Not discussing it, signing on in terms of voting for any climate-related legislation that might come to the floor, but not, not introducing or co-sponsoring Green New Deal. Um, The housing policies I'm talking about, national rent stabilization, I would consider that a progressive policy that's gonna protect people's ability to manage housing costs. Not to say that people that own property aren't able to make money off of what is clearly a responsibility of managing property, but there needs to be some bounds on how much we're gonna allow people to profit off of something as essential as a home. And that's one of the reasons why I'm backing that policy. And that's not something that Representative Baby has ever talked about. The key thing, though, that separates us, I would say, is this commitment to not taking any corporate PAC money, political action committee money. Another innovation of the 1970s is we unleashed our political system to corporations, allowing them through campaign finance reform that happened then in the wrong direction to contribute directly to our political representatives, and that unleash these $5,000 checks that come from industries like the fossil fuel industry, like the insurance industry, that have the motives that corporations are designed to have, which is to make money. And I don't begrudge corporations' ability to make money, but they will always find a way to advance that cause. They don't need the help of elected representatives that are supposed to be advancing the interests of the people that they represent. They're all good. And I saw it all the time when I was working at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Take, for example, payday lenders. We're you know, trying to regulate that industry at the national level because right now it's a hodgepodge of different state regulation. And payday lenders would bring lawyers. They would fly in their staff directly, fly in lawyers from their state, pay lawyers in Washington that would lobby for the views of what they wanted to see in regulations that we were writing for their industry to have people sitting on the committee that oversees these companies taking money from them, in many cases, including the Congressional Black Caucus, you're co-op, you're conflicted. That's a clear conflict of interest. You're not free to represent people. And in the case of my opponent, she has not, introduced legislation that I would consider to be progressive, quite the opposite. When in the state house, on, t- on the subject of payday lending, blocked legislation that would have made it, uh, that, that would have prevented payday lenders from even being able to operate in the state of Ohio. And they were offering 600% interest loans to people right before a recession. And Democrats at the state level had momentum to pass legislation to put an end to that industry as we know it, and my opponent blocked it. Other Democrats went on record, you can Google it, saying, we would have been able to get payday lending out of Ohio, but for our minority house leader, Joyce Beatty, while her husband was a registered lobbyist for that industry. Okay, that's what I was about to ask, is why? And OK, you answered yeah. While sitting on the Financial Services Committee, introducing legislation that makes it easier for banks to charge people of color higher interest rates. Obama advised against the legislation. NAACP National advised against it. She's a co-sponsor, and it was signed into law by Trump not progressive, in my opinion, taking a ton of money from financial services companies. So I have a different vision for what it looks like to be truly representative of the people. Like I said, it involves not taking money from corporations. It doesn't mean you don't listen to corporations, but we don't need to help them along by being conflicted before we even start the conversation. And also, I believe that progressive policy means ones that advance people, make sure that everybody in our community, that's my vision, is able to lead a stable life and how we get there is by making sure. I don't think it's complicated. Everybody has housing, healthcare, jobs that pay enough to live, a climate that's inhabitable, or we don't have anything else to talk about, and can live in a safe community free of police brutality. So, so real quick, uh,
3: we were scheduled to be here. For, I it's eight. it's oh. a little after eight, okay. so we can do one last
1: question. Yeah. I think, I think a yeah. So no, I'm not going to say my last question. question. Yeah. Um, one of the big things that I heard in the aftermath of the debate was like it's kinda of like the difference between pragmatism and then like just policy or, or like your own uh and policy isn't a word. I can't think of the right words. Or philosophy. yeah philosophy yeah. like just your own like, morals and like and I'm mm-hmm. and saying you know having somebody that is a skilled politician that knows how to move and, and maybe you have to get concessions to get your bill passed but it does like ultimately speak to the people mm-hmm. like do you think what well, do you have any comment on that like,
0: well I would I would ask which which pieces of legislation has our representative introduced that she applied that pragmatism to get to the finish line take a look you won't find many.
1: Where well, I think that like the probably the biggest the most clear representation will be like the the defense bill that was passed like academic center, you know. I mean I you kinda of spoke to it earlier, but then we went
0: down We day. also need to start breaking down introducing legislation and voting. Just showing up and voting is Trust me, if you could do that for $175,000 a year, you would do it, right? Because that, that is not very complicated. I report to Washington, and I vote yes, I vote no. That base minimum, base, okay, right? Legislation, what are you introducing? What are you co-sponsoring? That is leadership, and we have not seen leadership on any major issue over eight years. We haven't seen it. So, and on the, the defense spending bill in particular, This is where you have to actually fight back. The the other side is extremely good at saying, no, here's our line, and we're not crossing that. And that's why they win every single time. We need to start creating some lines. I think we have explored the outer bounds of- we we actually
5: compromise too much. Too much. There's (laughs) way too much compromise going on in all the wrong places to compromise.
0: Yeah. And, and, and we've, that's what we've been doing for the past 40 years. That has been the approach of democratic leadership for the past 40 years is one of we keep playing, like we have an honest broker on the other side, step by step, incremental, <laughs> pragmatic. The other side is not rational. They don't care about compromise. They care about making money and maintaining power. And until we wake up to that fact, well, we will continue to see exactly what we've seen. And I just, I can't, I can't approach it like that. <laughs>
1: Well, unless anybody has any final thoughts, then I mean, definitely appreciate you for your time. Thanks, Quacey, for, like, saying that you're
3: Yeah, no, for sure. I want to thank you, Malcolm, for for making this happen. is the second time we did this. And the first time it was more, it was kind of an introduction. We had uh, Matthias Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) um, See what you did? Hate the confusion, The elusive one, yeah. which, so yeah, I think that was a good conversation. We had some people, it was more so like people wanting to just find out what was going on. Mm-hmm. So I think that we've kind of evolved to the next step. We all know what's going on, so I know Malcolm got out on canvas with us this past weekend. And so now what we're hearing from people is how can I be involved? So. What
0: I'm doing <laughs> is Crazy is like, whatever was just said, what I'm hearing is, what can you do to help us? <laughs> I was like, you are turning into a good politician. <laughs> <I'm here>. <laughs> <laughs> the question that ask is like, what is it, what's happening in
3: Columbus that is specific here? And. I think that's a great question, but at the same time, I think we're also realizing that, yo, what's something globally going on. And these lines have not necessarily been strong with us in mind. So I'm Columbus to the heart. I'm always going to be Columbus. I was born here. I was raised here. I became well, I, I became, quasi low here. I was born Ryan Holmes, even though it was here, but that's another conversation. But, sorry. <laughs> all right, well, so you right, we had a moment? <laughs> but, uh, That is it's is not contained to just here. And that's one of the things that, that Morgan talks about is she went across when she was working for like a community list. development list, and she saw the same thing happening across the nation. And I would imagine maybe different ways, but it's happening globally. And we're, like glo- we're global citizens, whether we know it or not, whether we own it or not. So th- those are some of the talking points that wanna make us not utilize the power that we have it's a question where are you from where have you been and there's irrelevant questions when we're talking about policy that matters and ways to get things done that's what matters so the way that we get things done we got 33 days we knock on doors
0: (laughs) well i don't think it's irrelevant i will i'm also going to push back on that because like i've said this is this is where i'm from this is home i was born here i went through life experiences here that it involved my family, honestly, hitting financial, emotional, rock bottom. And the institutions of this place saw us through all of that and saw me through from the very beginning that was uncertain, through social services organizations that organized a foster home, that got me adopted, that you know got me a scholarship to go to Columbus Academy, that with my mom with one job in the Columbus public school system was able to support two children with one income. And I just really feel like this is home and I worry that what has made this place great the people the institutions the community that is in jeopardy and we've got to we've got to move quickly and to Quasey's point especially once you connect that dot to everything i've described here is happening yeah. everywhere across the country it's like this is, one, this is a state of emergency and i yeah i can't just sit back and pretend like the same old's going to get us anywhere ahead it's not It's not, we've tried it, it's not, and we now have to start demanding different types of leadership and organizing ourselves because like I began this conversation, I'm one person, this is one campaign, this is one election, this is one seat in the US House of Representatives. But once you start waking people up to the fact that they have a role to play and power to influence the system, 400 people who came out on Super Bowl Sunday to listen to a debate with congressional primary, that never goes away. 16 year olds who know, hey, it's not your fault that you're not getting test prep, right? It's not your fault that people think that you're failing. You can change the system, but we have got to start organizing and fighting back and demanding more. So that, that is what this is about. Organize.
3: So what we're doing, we have 33 days into election. Uh, right before I came in here For this meeting I uh, was out knocking on doors I had a list That was 93 doors I got Were you in
1: your by chance? Huh? Were you
3: in get by chance? No, I was like on campus uh, That's the reason why he came out Because he found yeah. the door Yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah, was kind of confused by I like How did I they- I was
2: I was shocked because I, I was home only hey, walked outside and on the door, I was like,
3: dang. And, and today like, today. Oh wow, Today, like in the West of it. Oh wow. Oh yeah. That's so, just yeah. that's a sign of how we're growing because we would like know about everything that was going yeah. on. Yeah, now we, now
0: we was, don't like, even know what's going, it's going
3: on. on. <laughs> no, no, no. It's so exciting. And everybody I wanted to give the opportunity to come out. Malcolm got out and knocked on doors with us and be yeah. there every weekend too, like until election day. So. We got five weekends left, so I would like to yeah. get somebody <laughs> Ideally, everybody well, the, the signed
0: team, up the texting. For the the texting. And also make sure everyone's texting. So the other way we keep in touch. If you have not already, text Morganize to 44939. That's how we communicate about different opportunities, either community events we're hosting, yeah, volunteer opportunities. Right yeah. So just 44939. Yeah. And then if well, the there's some crash if we all text it at the same time
8: <laughs> 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 said Morganize yeah
0: that's, that's our th- catchphrase that's
1: a <laughs> and then the people that are listening too because we're going to put this on the podcast feed like they can you know text it as well and, yeah text and
0: to the number 44939 Morganize M-O-R-G-A-N-I-Z-E yeah it's funny I, the friend I was with before we started I was like, oh Morgan, I was driving around the other day and I saw another car with Morgan eyes. and He's was like, then I knew it was one of my people. I was like,
2: oh, yeah,
0: we're fighting each other.
1: Honestly, <laughs> so, it's crazy. Like, I can't, I'm, you know, trying to tell people about you and everything. I was like, oh no, no, I'm already, like, I'm already a Morganizer. Now. Yeah. It's me, it's me. <laughs> Right.
0: Yeah. So. so,
3: we go out and camp, well, we have, three opportunities throughout the week where people can volunteer. Saturday and Sunday are big canvas pushes. We go out at 11 a.m. We have two shifts on Saturday. One starts at 11 and goes until two, and then one starts at two and goes to five. And then on Sunday, we have shifts starting at noon, going till three, and then from three until six. And if it's your first time canvassing, you'll be out with somebody who's, you know, Pretty comfortable doing it. They'll make sure that you're comfortable. You'll never be asked to do anything that's uh, that's outside of your comfort zone. But it's really rewarding, you know. Like today, honestly, today was kind of my like my bounce back day because we were in Bexley. <laughs> we kind of, of
0: course, you didn't have fun in Bexley. I didn't have a lot
3: of fun. <laughs> but today, <laughs> people, I was, it was like that was it was like an anomaly.
0: Like, people are they're there. Well, kind of, it's kind of apolitical.
5: Yeah. getting back to young people, it young is, people that's, are that's, very excited. How do you, how uh, personally, do you deal with like apathetic voters? Like, you know, when you're canvassing yeah. and you knock in a house and they're not necessarily bad people, but they yeah. just yeah. don't, don't care. No you know, like, how do you?
0: Yeah, I'll make one attempt to try to really engage. If it's really just like a shutdown, you know, because usually the way we engage is, what's your biggest issue right now, mm-hmm. or you know, nationally, you're concerned about.
9: We created a new lane and called it Infrastructure. This is ETC by us. On one hand, you have the Archive, a subscription-based, curated database and network which contains detailed information on creatives and happenings on an exclusively local level. You have the Creative Consultant Brokerage, a service streaming division which provides holistic solutions for creative individuals and groups. Future forward thinking, we have ETC by A Keys, our nonprofit division. This awards creatives funding, resources, and assistance to achieve their goals. And here's what it means to be a part of the infrastructure. For creatives, a centralized location that serves as a digital encyclopedia archiving your content and history, a reliable distribution system that connects you with the consumers that want to know what's going on in the creative community, a platform that supports your projects in meaningful and intentional ways, and down the line access to corporate funding from community partners. For consumers, we offer the answer to the question, what's happening in my city, Who are the people adding to the culture and how can I support? By giving access to special deals and exclusive content and merchandise brought to you with an ease of consumption. To the culture, we offer infrastructure. An organized system that makes navigating the city easier than it's ever been because telling our story and documenting the narrative of Columbus is important work and we can't do it alone. So tap into local with ETC. Visit us on instagram at etc.by.us and Twitter at the ETC by us or head on over to our newly revamped website at etcbyus.com.